All right, welcome back, everybody, to the Ball and Breakfast podcast. Uh, tonight, we have a special guest, uh, Taylor Moss, and uh, as always, Wayne Pua, our other co-host here. I'm Patrick Miller. Um, we're going to be talking college football playoffs here. They're right around the corner, you know, kind of bull matchups leading up to New Year's, and, uh, you know, we're just going to break down the final four. Um, but before we get into that, I uh, want to set up uh, my good friend, uh, former colleague, uh, Taylor Moss at the University of South Carolina. Uh, Taylor's from Columbus, Georgia. Um, he actually attended the University of Georgia. He's going to share a story for you. Um, but beyond that, um, he and I met at the University of South Carolina for our MBA program. Um, and prior to that, uh, Taylor had been a Peace Corps volunteer in Jamaica. Um, Post-USC, he actually went to Brazil for six years and worked at a United Health Group. Um, Taylor no longer works there, and uh, you know he he may or may not share any details on that front. But you can find him in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, if you're looking for him. But uh, I think you know bringing Taylor in here, number one, um, he's a huge UGA fan, and uh, actually in college uh, he had the opportunity to suit up for the Bulldogs. And uh, on top of that, uh, if you're on the interwebs, we'll share around a link. But he's actually done a podcast last year at the national championship uh, with some former college quarterbacks on you know, predicting the game and uh, he got to, you know, be there and see it live. So Taylor, I'm just going to kick it off to you to, uh, you know, uh, introduce yourself and uh, talk a little bit about your, uh, your Georgia connection. Yeah, sure. Uh, no, I appreciate the intro, Pat. Um, I can kind of stick with the, the Georgia part that I feel like is more relevant um, or else I feel like I'll end up talking forever about stuff that might, might, might not be relevant to you guys podcast. Um, but yeah, like Pat mentioned, I grew up in Columbus, Georgia. Um huge Georgia fan kind of my whole life, probably like you guys like the Bears. That's kind of what UGA football was to me. You know, I feel like college football in the South is, you know, kind of what pro sports are up there um, where you guys are from. Um, but yeah, I grew up a huge UGA fan, played basketball, football, and soccer growing up. Um, it was kind of coming to the tail end of my high school career. And at some point, one of my, I was thinking about this when you were asking me to, to do the intro, one of my uh, high school coaches had kind of mentioned like, Hey, have you ever thought about like walking on at Georgia? And it was just like such a far-fetched thing. And at that time, I wasn't really entertaining the possibility of like even trying to to play a college sport or anything. So anyway, I ended up going to the University of North Georgia for two years. At some point during my freshman year, really missed playing sports. And so kind of came up with this crazy idea. I was like, well, man, why don't I just shoot for the stars, right? And try to try to walk on at Georgia and see if I can make that happen. So yeah, transferred in at the end of my sophomore year. I think I'd like sent some tape in to the coach who was in charge of um, just kind of managing walk-ons and things like that. Um, so joined the fall semester and uh, I was, you had me reminiscing when I was like writing about this earlier. Um, but it was interesting when I first joined the fall semester, you know, there's a difference between like high school workouts and then like you're in college and you're working out on your own. And then when I joined in the fall of 2005, originally the coach had said like, Hey, you're going to come on in the spring which was fine by me, right? Kind of work out in the in in the weight room in the fall, kind of get myself in better shape to come on in the spring. They offered me the opportunity to come on like during that fall semester. And I, I don't know, in hindsight, maybe I should have just done that because I think that was the year we won the SEC championship. Anyway, so I come in and I just worked out during the fall, but there's a big difference between, you know, going from working out on your own to like, um, you know, uh, college workouts, you know, in, in athletic facilities and having strength coaches kind of guide you and stuff. Um, so it's definitely an adjustment mentally and physically, um, but incredible resources and stuff, right? Probably even much better now with just this arms race going on with all the facilities being built, built out and everything. Um, but anyway, worked out in the fall, joined in the spring, kind of went through the full, like we did these things called mat drills in the morning and the spring, which is like brutal. You're getting up at five in the morning and doing these like two hour workouts in the morning and then uh, spring practice. And then, yeah, like rolled through the season in the fall. Um, I was fortunate enough to dress for a couple games and then our bowl game as well. Didn't see any play in time, um, which is always interesting from a walk-on's perspective. You know, it's like you see as a spectator, right? You just see who gets in the games on Saturdays. But I think what you don't see is like, hey, there's like, you know, upwards of 100 people on a team and everybody's going through the same process. It's just when Saturday rolls around, some guys are going to get more more time than other people, but in terms of like working out and watching tape and like going to meetings and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. And it was really cool to be a part of that process. Just for me, I was like, you know, kind of like you guys probably are right now. Like that would be really cool to be a part of that. Like I was, there was like a part of me that was just like a fan, you know, of 
of Georgia and everything. So it's cool, man. I'm glad I did it. Um, I don't feel like it like defines me, but uh, yeah, it was a cool experience. So who were uh, some of the players on that team? Um, if you want to just name drop a few guys. Yeah. Uh, we had, I think that freshman class was actually like really good. So just from the freshman class, no Sean Moreno, Matt Stafford, Gino Atkins, uh, Rashad Jones, um, Muhammad Massaqua. I'm trying to think of people who had like better pro careers. Um, but yeah, there were a lot of, there's another guy, Keem Dent played in the league for a little bit. Um, those are probably the big name dudes. Uh, other guys that were on that team that, that weren't part of that freshman class. Charles Johnson was a really good defensive end for the Panthers for a long time. Freak of nature. I think he like benched 500 pounds and ran like a four, six, something just <laughs> unreal. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Those are probably the big ones that come to mind. So yeah. We did have this one guy you just asked about. I thought about it. Uh, Jeff Owens was another D tackle. I think he set, if he didn't set the record, he was close um, for, you know, they bench uh, 225 at the combine, at the combine. I think he did it like 43 times or something like that, like something absurd. Um, but yeah, those were probably the big name guys. So. Yeah, it sounds like in this context, I'd be lucky to just, you know, be able to bring out the Gatorade bottles and, you know, assist these guys in rehydrating themselves at that <laughs> point. But uh, no, in any case, that's an awesome story. And, uh, yeah. you know, I think the other story I think is awesome. If you want to tell, you know, uh, you know, an elevator type story of uh, just being at the national championship last year, what that meant to you and, you know, getting to be in Indianapolis and kind of, uh, you know, wrapped up in all the fanfare. Yeah, for sure. It was kind of random how things came together. Um, when Georgia lost the SEC championship game, that pushed them into the Orange Bowl. And coincidentally, I've got a buddy that lives in Miami who got the hookup with tickets there. I took we don't go to that many games, but he's like, I've got tickets. So I flew out of the Orange Bowl, which was cool. And then my brother had a connection to get us tickets to the national championship game, um, which is just like so lucky, fortunate to be able to do that, especially. I mean, that's the first time Georgia's won the title in like 40 or 41 years or whatever. So um but yeah so we flew up on like a really fly up saturday which is a really cool trip you know obviously the game in and of itself is cool but we didn't really have expectations about indianapolis and things and ended up going to any motor speedway and doing a few other things um it's just a really fun time like with my brother um but the day of the game was pretty funny we <laughs> the guy who had gotten us these like corporate tickets kept confirming he's like no y'all are good you know, I've got the tickets. So like Saturday, still no tickets in hand though. Sunday, still no tickets in hand. So like Monday, <laughs> my brother goes to work at a coffee shop and I go in there to see him and he's like, dude, we got the tickets. He's like, not only did we get the tickets, he sent us four tickets and they're like 20 yard line, 20 rows back Georgia side. So like, I'm like, we're like losing our minds. Right. So I'm like, I mean, I would have sat in the upper deck or whatever. Um, but yeah, so he ended up having to work that day. I ended up going to this bar with a couple of buddies and this brewery to drink and just kind of hang out before the game, which is where this podcast took place that we were talking about. Um, so we're kind of just drinking and you can feel the tension building, right? It's Georgia's in the title game for the first time or for the first time in five years, but like high expectations were kind of the favorite. Now you're playing Alabama. There's this huge, you know, Saban versus Kirby Smart. Is this year that Georgia's finally going to like get the monkey off their back? you could feel like the energy and excitement just like building throughout that day. Um, so I'm getting amped up in there. There's a ton of Georgia fans. There's this podcast going on behind us. And I think I yelled something out and uh, one of the producers came over and was like, do you want to be on this podcast? And I was like, sure. And I didn't know it, but one of my buddies who was part of our group right before I was about to go on was like, Oh, Hey, he was walk on at Georgia. So I kind of stumble into this podcast, not knowing what they're going to ask me. And then they just go into like, so you were a walk on, like, what was that like? And what was it like playing for Mark Richt? And like all this stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, I was not prepared to talk about this. <laughs> um, but I, I will say to, to make a long story short, I'm hopeful that uh, I can make as good of a prediction as I did last year. They asked me to make a prediction on the game. And I said, Georgia 31-21. It ended up being Georgia 33-18. So I was like, that's a respectable prediction in my book. Um, but yeah, and then of course we go from there and kind of roll into the game, and it was just an insane game. The uh, our tickets ended up being really close to where Keely Ringo made kind of that like iconic interception, right, and the run back for the subsequent touchdown to seal the deal. Uh, but yeah, just like a really fun trip, and glad I uh, had the opportunity to go. So yeah, definitely. I mean, I couldn't imagine being there for my own team, seeing them, you know, raise the championship and everything else. So uh, just a great experience, and. Uh, you know, looking at this year's CFP, um, 
they're back in it. They're back in the mix. Uh, they're going to be in Atlanta, the Mercedes-Benz uh, you know, stadium, going head-to-head with number four, Ohio State. Uh, Wayne, do you have any, you know, kickoff thoughts you want to share here about this matchup? Anything that you've, you know, seen from either club that you think will uh, will show through in this game? Well, I, I know Taylor's going to talk about Georgia, so I'm, I'm going to be like a little steel man and play a little bit Perfect. like maybe Ohio State a little bit here. So, um, but, you know, Ohio State, you know, CJ Stroud, definitely, you know, one of the top NFL prospects out there, quarterback. Uh, and they got the best wide receiver in the country that, you know, at least that's what everybody's saying. So there's a lot of explosiveness, I think, on the offensive side. Um, you know, so if, if I were to be like, uh, I don't know, a coach for Ohio State, I'd be like, dude, no huddle, no huddle, like neutralize that line or, or that, that the, the defensive line for Georgia, because I think that'll be a major uh, play here uh, for them to succeed. But all being said, like Georgia's has way too much talent. And I think Kirby Smart is way too smart of a coach in order to, you know, uh, do anything stupid there. So and I think Stetson, uh, you know, he's definitely been a, a quarterback. I think just plays really well, makes the smart decisions there. So I think those are my initial, my initial thoughts. I don't want to give away my take yet on who I predict or any scores or anything like that because I, I still want some conversation to be had. But what do you think about that, Taylor? Yeah, you bring up good points. I had, I had some of the same ones. You know, I do think that. I just feel like Georgia's defense, you know, it's, it's not what it was last year, but they've got this ability to make teams one dimensional. And I feel like when you can do that, and so a lot of people will complain and say, well, their secondary gets picked on. It's like, well, your secondary is going to get picked on if you shut down the team's run game, right? Like you're going to give up passing yards. Um, and so I do think Ohio State will actually be able to throw it around a little bit. Um, you saw in the LSU game, right? And certainly they don't have as talented of a throw. I don't think that, um, Jaden Daniels is as good of a as, as talented of a quarterback throwing the ball as CJ Stroud is. Um, I don't know holistically their receiving core may be comparable or, or around the same as Ohio State's. Um, but yeah, I do agree. Marvin Harrison's a really good receiver. So yeah, I do think that they're going to put up some yards. I mean, they threw for like 500 on us in, that, in the SEC championship game, which is just a crazy number. Um, but yeah, I feel like if we can make it one dimensional, I don't know if you guys saw today. Travion Henderson is their main running back, and apparently he is out for the game as well. So they're, you know, the receiver Jackson Smith and, and Jigba, is that how you say his name, mm-hmm. who hasn't played much this year, right? So it's not really a loss. I mean, he would have made them better. I feel like he was able to play, but he was a guy like that who I think would do wonders just in the ability to not kind of focus on Marv- Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, and then you lose your top running back. I just feel like if Georgia makes it one dimensional, it's just going to be really hard. So initially, that's kind of kind of what I'm thinking. Um, and I'll try not to give anything away yet either. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to, I mean, just kind of doubling back on, you know, Ohio state, what they're going to have to do. I mean, kind of leaning on those offensive tackles of theirs, Paris Johnson, uh, Dewan Jones. I mean, they're going to be having to neutralize Jalen Carter, um, you know, looking at Nolan Smith. So it's like, I don't know. I mean, part of me feels like CJ Stroud, Ohio state, they have to put up so many points in order to, you know, really kind of overwhelm, you know, overwhelm Georgia. Cause I just feel like, you know, flipping scripts and having Georgia go on offense versus Ohio state on defense. It just feels like, you know, Stetson Bennett was, you know, <laughs> looking like a Heisman candidate. I liked, you know, McConkie is kind of like your, your slot receiver, do everything kind of receiver, very deep at running back. And, uh, you know, just watching, you know, it live with you, Taylor in uh, South Carolina, it was, you know, just, it was like watching, uh, you know, South Carolina invade, you know, Georgia's practice. And then, you know, Georgia just ran its sets, ran all the way down the field and just stifled them on defense. And you know, Spencer Rattler looked like a high school quarterback out there. And uh, I don't know. I mean, they lost five, you know, uh, first rounders uh, in last year's draft, but they return, you know, just as uh, impressive of a defense. And uh, they'll be pretty much playing at home in Atlanta. So it's kind of like, I don't know. They got a lot of things going for them. And uh, I know maybe the hunger of, uh, you know, coming back and trying to go back to back may not always be as strong for a team that just won it. But I mean, I don't see a lot of uh, a lot of flaws there for this team. Yeah. And I, I guess as a Bears fan, I'm definitely be watching Jalen Carter because, you know, there's been a lot of talk about him or like Willie Anderson, you know, from Alabama. So um, but at least, you know, what I've seen on him on the highlight reels and everything, he looks pretty damn good. So, um, yes. you know, very much looking forward to that. No, for sure. You, I mean, you guys are getting into my kind of players to watch here now, but like just from a pure, 
you know, like, you know, those guys you just lock in on and you're like, I just want to watch this guy play football. I mean, he's an interior defensive lineman, right? So you could lock in on a middle linebacker and they're going to make a lot of plays. I don't know how many like tackles or, you know, sacks a guy like that's going to have, but he just destroys offensive linemen. I was joking with somebody the other day. I was like, I feel like watching Jalen Carter play is that he probably feels the way I feel when I play football with like my seven-year-old nephew. Like I've seen him do things to linemen that I'm like, this is a 300 pound grown man and you were just slinging him around. So yeah, it's the guy's a specimen and he is, he is a disruptor for sure, especially at the interior line position. Right. Cause I feel like defensive ends, you can kind of neutralize a little bit if you can run the ball. Well, right. You kind of neutralize our pass rush, but when you have somebody just like collapsing the pocket up the middle and they can play the run, I just feel like they can be a game changer. So I'm with you on that one, Wayne. Yeah, I, not, I, I uh, yeah. Sorry, I, I was gonna say I feel like they're just not gonna uh, like even worry about the run. Like Georgia's defense is not gonna worry about the run at all, just because yeah, yeah they, their backfield is depleted and all that. So and they got all those wide receivers. But yeah, Pat, right. you were saying no, and no, I mean, just with them collapsing the pocket, you've got Ringo and Chris Smith on the outside too. So it's like even if Stroud is you know able to you know escape pressure and kind of try to find guys deep, and you know Ohio State was one of the top teams on balls uh, forty yards or deeper. It's like you still have to deal with maybe a pair of cornerbacks that will go in the top end of the draft. So it's like, I don't know. There's not a lot of holes here for uh, Ohio State to find. And uh, again, I think Stroud's going to have to play the game of his life. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And if they can get the run game, if Georgia can get the run game going, like it's over. Like I don't, I don't, I don't see, like you know, because uh, yeah, they're, they're, if uh, Ohio State's gonna have to play from behind like that, I, I just don't see them. Like they're gonna, I, in my opinion, like they have to score first, like in the in the like they have to come out guns blazing. Essentially, is is what I'm feeling for them. So, and even if then, like I, I, I just don't see it for them. So. Are we getting to picks now? I think we might be getting to picks now. <laughs> <Yeah. so. laughs> Wayne, kick it off. Yeah, I got I got Georgia um, 35 to uh, – I'm going to go like 24 for Ohio State there. So Georgia, uh, the winner here, 35, Ohio State 24. I'm just going to jump on top of that. I was going to go 34-24, and I swear I wasn't uh, waiting for you to say that, but I just had that similar feeling where I feel like Georgia is going to keep the – you know the offense uh, of Ohio state kind of uh, held in check. And I think they're just going to have to, you know, run clock and uh, kind of manage the game, uh, you know, pretty conservatively. And I think in that process, they're going to score a lot too. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. I probably have a few <laughs> more comments about this game. Um, you guys can cut me off if I'm going too deep. So no. we kind of got into some players to watch. Uh, and, you know, y'all are, y'all are touching. This is like if the Bears were in the Super Bowl, you guys are have an extended <laughs> You're going to have a lot to say. You did touch on one thing about Georgia playing at home, Pat. Um, so this is actually the third game this year in Mercedes-Benz. So they opened with Oregon in Mercedes-Benz. They played an SEC championship game. And now this one. And is that something that makes a huge difference? No, but like if you're a coach, you'd like that familiarity there, right? Versus not having played there. Plus, it's just in close, it's in the state of Georgia, right? Um, so I would imagine you're gonna have a few more Georgia fans there than Ohio State. A few other things you you talked about the receiving core of, of Georgia and Lad McConkey. Actually, at the game that we were at in South Carolina, um, AD Mitchell, who was actually our Georgia's best receiver, got injured and he's been out the whole year. He had a high ankle sprain, he tried to come back, hadn't really been able to come back. He's played a few plays here and there. Apparently, he has gotten healthy now and will have another month to kind of get some practice underneath his belt. Um, I think that's going to be huge. We have good receivers. We've had some other guys hurt, too. Lad McConkie's really good. But when you talk about putting less stud on the outside, who's your number one, and you can't really focus on McConkie, it just changes everything, right? You've already got the tight ends with Darnell Washington and Powers, and then we've got some good backs as well and some other backs that have started to get healthy. It just feels like everything's coming together mm -hmm. at the right time, in my opinion. The other thing I was going to mention, too, um, Georgia's had some struggles this year. The Missouri game wasn't pretty on the road. Honestly, could have easily lost that game. But the big games, I would say the three biggest games that we've had would have been Oregon, right, came out. I've never seen the offense play that well. We scored touchdowns on our first seven drives and punted like in garbage time at the end of the game. 149 to three, clicking on all cylinders. 
uh, the Tennessee game ended up being 27 to 13. But if you watch that game, that was not that close of a game. It started to rain in the second half. We kind of shut down the offense and ran the ball. Um, it was that game. Yeah. Would have gotten way more out of hand. Um, I think if there wasn't rain and if we weren't just trying to kind of, you know, run the clock out and then LSU, um, Again, I was a little bit surprised that they put up as many points as they did, but still dropped 50 in that game. So anyway, 49-27, kind of shutting it down in the second half against Tennessee, and then 50. I just feel like this is another one of those big games, and one of you guys alluded to it, or I think it was you, Wayne, um, talking about giving Kirby Smart a month to prepare. I just feel like I'd, you know, I, I follow things pretty closely, and somebody had mentioned, I don't know if this is true because it's kind of hearsay on the message board, right, but – you know, we've got co-defensive coordinators, a young guy named uh, – oh, gosh, I just drew a, name, a blank on his first name uh, – Schumann, Glenn Schumann. Is his, uh, he's young. He's like 34, somewhere around there. He's going to be a head coach at some point, super sharp guy. But he's co-defensive coordinator with Will Muschamp. And so apparently I'd heard that at some point when we had a bye week or something like a couple weeks before, it was like, hey, we're focusing on the upcoming games. Muschamp, you take Tennessee. Right. And so I feel like when you've got defensive coordinator, you got Muschamp, Kirby Smart, and then another young up and coming defensive coordinator with a month to prepare. I don't know. I just like Georgia in this game. Um, my score prediction is pretty close to what you guys were. I said 38 to 27. I think we'll score. I do think Ohio State will be able to throw it around a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think AD Mitchell is that guy, maybe a name you haven't heard of that can really impact the game if he can, if he can, you know, uh, start to produce at the wide receiver position. I just feel like that will get our offense clicking. So, yeah. I was really waiting for you to drop uh, the Chris Farley super fan score, just 135 uh, yeah. to zip, you know? <laughs> yeah. something like that. But uh, no, that, yeah. that sounds, I mean, we all kind of seem to be, you know, somewhat in the same uh, boat here. So uh, we'll see how that one goes. Um, on the other side of things, we've got, uh, number two, Michigan against uh, number three, TCU in uh, Glendale, Arizona. Um, why don't we start with Taylor? Uh, why don't you kick that one off and uh, kind of what you're seeing in, in that matchup? Man, you guys probably know this one better than me. I was trying to listen up on, on some things. <laughs> I do like college football. I'm probably more of an SEC expert than anything else. You know, we played – Georgia played Michigan um, last year in that semifinal game, and it was – an embarrassment for Michigan. You know, they had the, what is it? The Joe Moore award is given out to the best offensive line. So they actually, their team actually won that or their offensive line won that award last year. Well, they're in the running for it again this year. Georgia and, and Michigan are the top two finalists. Um, it does seem like they, again, have a good line. They've got, I know that Donovan Edwards guy, he was a big time recruit. I think he's a sophomore now. Georgia recruited him heavily. Um, the quarterback who seemed like the better quarterback last year, but was a true freshman and kind of split time does seem like the better option of the two. I haven't watched them play as much as I have some of the other SEC schools. Um, but obviously, I think like everybody else was kind of impressed with what they did against Ohio State. But even in that game, it kind of felt like, I don't know, it's always interesting. I think momentum is big in football games. And they pulled away a lot at the end. So while the final score was, you know, very lopsided, that to me is very different than dominating a team from – the first quarter on. Um, so I do think that Michigan again is good, but I feel like it, it feels a little bit to me, like maybe Michigan's getting a little bit overhyped because of that game. And Ohio state's going to be like downplayed because that game it's like, Hey man, Ohio state, they were probably my most feared team, you know, prior to them losing that game. So anyway, I feel like Michigan might be a little overhyped, but I do think that, I don't know, man, TCU, um, you can only play who's in front of you. Right. And you lose one game to a team you had already beaten before. Um, they seem like one of those just really gritty teams um, that takes on kind of the spirit of their quarterback. That Max Duggan guy always just seems like he's like bleeding from random places and like leading his team to victory and that, all these fourth quarter comebacks, um, which is super impressive on one hand, right? But on the other one, you're like, wow, that's a lot of games that you could have potentially lost. I mean, give a team credit for winning, right? But um, to a certain extent, there's kind of like some style points where you'd like to see. I guess just a, a kind of more of a consistent like growth trajectory and getting better and maybe dominating some of these teams that are middle of the pack in your conference. So that's kind of where I'm at with that one. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm with you there. And yeah, I think you referred to the uh, yeah. The, like Donovan Edwards, like when he, uh, I think they were just trying to run the ball out uh, against uh, Ohio state. And I felt, it felt like Ohio state's defense just kind of gave up or something like that towards the end. 
And then that led to Donovan Edwards just like, you know, uh, I forgot the runs, but like he, he had some big runs at the end of the game to seal the deal there. So, yeah. Um, yeah and, you know, and, and, you know, it's like I, I, I did want to ask you one question about Georgia. We can go back to, you know, Michigan and TCU now. But like, do you do you if if Alabama was in this, like, would would they would you fear them the most? Like if they were like five teams or something like that, would, would you fear them the most or what? I feel like you're like talking about that. I was trying to make an analogy, Wayne. It was like the the one that got away or something, you know. It's like I feel like I was like Wayne. You're married right now, but if that one girlfriend came back, that you like, (laughs) I'm kidding. Um, Yeah, man, it's like PTSD with Alabama. You know, certainly, certainly, if it was Alabama, Ohio State, and Michigan, that is a stronger field in my opinion than TCU, right? Like, because I don't, I don't know, man. Alabama's just surprised me this year. Because you've got arguably one of the Will Anderson probably is, you know, if you look at his college career, he's probably the best defensive player in college football. And then you've got Bryce Young, who I still feel like is he probably is the best offensive player in college football, right? I don't want to get into like Heisman trophy and stuff, but like, yeah, I mean, Bryce Young's really good. Um so yes, that that does strike fear in me a little bit, to be honest. Um, particularly when I was looking at a potential matchup of, you know, it was like at one point towards the end of the year, it was I was looking like it was going to be Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and USC, and I was like, oh, sign me up for that. Any <laughs> like I don't think it gets any. I'm not saying that's a you're cruising to a title, but TCU and USC didn't fear me. So yeah, to your point, if Alabama would have gotten in. Um, yeah, I mean, you never know what can happen, right? So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you there. I, I think, I think, yeah, to, to yeah, with regards to what you were saying, it's like, like TCU doesn't strike fear to me, but Alabama would, and I think that was like the whole, I guess, controversy over that. But, um, yeah, yeah, that's, I, I think that's where I'm at with, I guess, this matchup with Michigan and TCU is like, okay, like, yeah, it's not in Alabama, nothing, like, no, neither of these teams, like, necessarily drive in a lot of fear with me i get michigan's undefeated they've had a really great defense um and then their offense like it's definitely you know run heavy i think with donovan edwards i know they had quorum and all that but he's been hurt so uh you know it it definitely is like you know i, I, I think they're just gonna try to make like tc is definitely gonna try to make jj mccarthy like try to beat them with his arm and stuff like that but you know um ronnie bell and cornelius johnson like if they can get big plays out of them great but you know uh with TCU's defense, I think they've always tried to like keep it close and and we're just formidable. So uh, I think this will be a, definitely a closer game than I think um, you know uh, either fan sides would would agree upon. But you know, I I think overall, you know, uh, going forth though, I, I definitely want to see TCU though a contributor because like yeah, Max Duggan is like a crazy guy. I feel like and he's like that guy you want him on his team. It's like it's like our like this generation's like Tim Tebow. I feel like like he just like runs into everything and just has no you know uh, remorse for you know his body or whatever. So um, and I I am looking forward to watching Quentin Johnston like on like the big stage there because you know again as a Bears fan I'm kind of scouting right now and you know if we got to trade back a little bit I, I think he, he could definitely be an explosive wide receiver with high upside um, there. So. Yeah. Pat, what do you think? Well, you guys touched on the running game. Um, I'm just looking at the defense for Michigan. They're number three in the nation. Um, Mike Morris, Mozzie Smith on the D line. They're going to be first to second rounders. I feel like if they can control, you know, Max Duggan at the line, I mean, that could take away, you know, a huge start with his legs. They also have Kendra Miller, TCU as a 1300 yard rusher. I mean, if they're again, controlling the line, um, I think they could take away two of their weapons. Um, I guess once they get ball in hand, you know, go to JJ McCarthy, dump it off to Donovan Edwards. And, you know, I think it'll be kind of like a Georgia setup against OSU, but in this game as well. Um, I feel like there is probably a little bit more upset potential in this matchup than the other. Um, but I guess I'll just lean on a very conservative, you know, type of matchup for this game. But, uh, you know, we can go into predictions, but, you know, overall, I think Michigan's going to have uh, the upper hand here. Yeah. We can go to predictions. Yeah, what's over here? <laughs> yeah, I'll just I'll I'll just say this is going to be you know twenty four twenty one. I think it'll be a little bit uh, lesser scoring. I think Michigan just coming out with their defense probably be something TCU hasn't seen all year. Uh, given you know playing in the Big Twelve, I don't know how many 
you know, stout defenses they had to come across. I don't know where K, you know, SU might, might, you know, rank, uh, you know, across the board in college, but, uh, yeah, again, I think, you know, wasting clock might be, uh, to, uh, Jim Harbaugh's advantage in this one. And, uh, you know, I'll just throw that score out there. Yeah. I got 28, 24. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to lean towards Michigan here actually. So, so I'll be with you there. Um, but you know, Johnson, I think is a scary X factor. I, I think I'll say that. So like, I don't, I don't think that there's like, I know uh, Michigan has a pretty decent secondary and all that, but I don't think there's anybody that can guard him actually on Michigan's side though. So uh, that that's, that's where I'm, I'm looking at it. You know, if TC were to like upset as like Johnson, I, I think would play a big factor there. So, um, but yeah, I, I don't think that's going to happen. So I'm going to be more, maybe I'm more on the conservative side and say Michigan 28, uh, 24. So. Yeah, I was going to say uh, 34-24 Michigan. Um, well, I haven't watched as much of those, as as many of their games as I have maybe some other teams. Um, just kind of hearing, when I hear about like offensive lineup for the Joe Moore Award and things like that, it just seems like TCU is, and I love teams like this, which is hard, like, kind of why it's hard to pick against. Like I really respect a team that's like a real team, right, with a quarterback leader and kind of this guy that's just going to grind it out um, for his team. But so many like fourth quarter games and things like that, I just feel like at some point it's going to come back to bite you a little bit. And maybe this is one of those games where there's more of a talent discrepancy than maybe some of those other ones. I mean, I don't know how good of like nothing against Kansas state, but like, I don't, you know, I don't know how close they were to making the playoff. You know what I mean? Um, So I feel like this is like the big boys now. And I think you can only escape so many times in the fourth quarter. So yeah, I think Michigan wins uh, somewhere in the ballpark at 34, 24. So. It's kind of crazy too, because I feel like when we make these predictions in whatever sport, especially a sport like baseball, I feel like college football is kind of the same, you know, will a Boise state kind of emerge and just, you know, shock everybody like TCU feels like they could, you know, be one of those teams just based on, you know, what, uh, what stirs the kind of the drink for them. But uh, yeah, in general, um, you know, I guess for all of us, that sets up a Georgia mission uh, national championship and, uh, Taylor, I'm just going to give you the honors to to kind of kick off what you see maybe in this matchup and uh, throw a prediction out there. Yeah, um, I was not prepared for the prediction, um, but I don't know, man. I just went to this game last year, right? And it's not <laughs> the same teams. I get that. But it was so funny. Like, I, And I told somebody this even before the game started. It was like Michigan came into that game, and it's like, oh, Aiden Hutchinson is – you know, this unbelievable prospect and all this stuff. And their fans are so hyped and their team, you could just feel it. It was like they were happy to be there. Georgia came in pissed off. You could see it was like, this is a business trip. Like there wasn't a – Michigan's offensive line is wearing run the damn ball shirts. And we just like destroyed them. I mean, there's some clips in that game. Like uh, Trevon Walker, like in the – they run like a counter and they pull their center. And, I mean, he just like – crushes this guy um you just felt like it was a business trip for us anyway and i know that's a different year but i just i just feel like georgia's culture is is the team is just built up well i guess multiple things the one i was going to say is built on physicality you brought up something earlier pat that i just think that kirby smart's done an incredible job of where you said you know they're the the reigning defending champion there could be a letdown everything that I've seen and heard, it's like this team wants to prove something maybe in some ways, because they're all the guys that didn't, a lot of these guys didn't have a major impact on the championship last year. Right. And so I think he's done an incredible job of just saying, Hey, it's a new week, no matter who we're playing, it's a new game. We're zero for zero. And I've listened to some of those locker room speeches. It's right. Right. It's around like, we're not trying to win this game. We're trying to win all the games. Mm-hmm. So I think that like just having that mentality of like, we're never satisfied. We're trying to get better. Um, this culture of physicality that I was kind of talking about, um, even when Mil- Will Muschamp came to Georgia, he made a comment. He's like, I've never seen Tuesday practices as physical as this. He's like, as a coach, this is what you dream of. And I think the downside of that is you probably have a few more injuries. The upside is that like, they say that practices are harder than games. So if you think about going again, like having just a physically demanding practice and going against players on the other side of the ball that are probably equally as good or better than whoever you're going to play in the game, I just feel like eventually that just wears teams down. Like Ohio State, talent-wise, they're as good as Georgia. But let's see what happens in the third and fourth quarter. And so your question around um, the Georgia-Michigan game, I just feel like it's similar. Like this culture that's been established of like, 
this is who we are. Our identity is to be just a big physical team. And I think that one of the things that I think it's, in my opinion, a little bit overlooked with Georgia is, uh, you know, you talk about the tight ends and they're both incredible in their own way. I'd heard somebody made the comment. It was like, you've got Gronkowski with like Darnell Washington and then like Kyle Pitts with Brock Bowers. Right. So you got like one and it's just two really good tight ends. But I think that what that does aside from just the ability to um, their pass catching ability, when you come out in formations, you can't really like zero in, right? If Ohio State comes out with four wide receivers, can they run the ball? They can, but it's going to be like a trawl or something, right? When you come out and you've got tight ends and they're like spread out wide and then you can break, you can do anything you want. And so I think it neutralizes some of this. Like I know that they've got that Ohio State and I'm sure Michigan does as well, has, you know, some good pass rushing ends, just like they did last year, right? Ojabo and Aiden Hutchinson were, Ojabo was going to be a first round pick until he got hurt in the combine, right? It's all you hear about. They didn't need, I mean, you never even heard their name in the game. So I feel like the physicality plus what you can do with these tight ends at Georgia, and we're not one dimensional, right? If it was just a pass first offense, it's like, we'll just turn your defensive ends loose, but you can't do that. So I just think it's so hard to prepare for. And again, I go back to what I was saying earlier in the games where it really mattered, where it was a big hyped up game and we had time to prepare this year, our offense just kind of showed out. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like it would be similar, um, this year, especially after seeing the same two teams play last year, it'd be such a dominating performance. Um, and then, yeah, the same thing I said earlier, where I, it feels like there's a lot of other players coming back. A.D. Mitchell's our number one receiver, true sophomore, coming back. We just got another really good tailback in Kendall Milton, who had been hurt the whole year. And honestly, I was a little bit frustrated with him because it seemed like he was running kind of timid. I think I actually mentioned to you in the South Carolina game, Patty, he got tripped up by shoestring tackles a couple of times. He's back and had, I think, over 100 yards the last game. Just looked like really good. So it just feels like a lot of things are coming together. Um, and then, yeah, man, you put Stetson Bennett back there, and I just feel like he's the conductor and doing all the – and just orchestrating the entire offense. Um, and the one thing I will say, too, this is another thing I had in my notes. When he – whether it's a scripted run or just him scrambling, when teams have to account for that, Georgia's offense is completely different. And I don't think that we should do a million design runs. I don't think that's how our offense is built. But I do think it's good at, at, from time to time to either let them scramble, run a bootleg, and if there's nothing there, let them turn out. Because we saw it in a Tennessee game when early on, I think it was our first touchdown drive, they blitzed right up the middle. And he just smoked this linebacker out to the side. He dives to the pylon and he does his, like, call me thing because they've gotten a cell phone <laughs> now. But it changed the whole complexion of the game because they knew they couldn't blitz anymore. Um, so anyway, I know I'm, I'm throwing a lot out there, but yeah, with all those things, and I'm this is the super Homer biased pick, right? I, was, <laughs> yeah, I just feel like we saw this game play out last year. So if it is Michigan and Georgia in the final, yeah, I mean, I feel like score prediction, um, maybe like a 38 to 24 or something like that. I mean, I just feel like Georgia shows up to that, right? The talent isn't there, but I think the desire, these guys want to prove that of all the people that went in the NFL, like that was great, but like, we're really good too. So. Well, what, what reasons or what uh, areas do you think that if Michigan were to upset, mm-hmm. like where do, where do you think uh, the weaknesses would fall for, for Georgia? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, I'm certainly not saying that no team could establish the run. I just don't see that being consistent. I also don't think you can abandon it. I think, you're going to pigeonhole yourself and end up losing if you just completely abandon the run. So just because you aren't ultra successful, I think you still have to stick with it. But to me, Wayne, it's the secondary. Like I was, I was just very surprised at, and I think that because of the brand of football that we play, there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes that I don't think that fans really like get. I think we're leaving our corners out on an Island a little bit more to say, Hey, we are going to stop the run, right? Run a lot of man coverage. And sometimes like, if you're a cornerback and like they they throw a really good back shoulder fade, like I mean, what do you want a corner to do, right? You can be have to be in perfect coverage. So I just think that like really good offense is gonna can beat really good defense. So I think that our secondary, there's a lot of talented guys there, but if there is a vulnerability, I'm not even I do think our secondary is good. It's just if you can throw the ball, like it's kind of hard to stop sometimes. And I think we saw that against LSU. And then another thing I just had to watch for, you guys are talking about players. I think that, you know, you'll hear all about the Jalen Carters and Brock Bowers and all that. 
Um, but we got a true freshman at safety. The guy's going to be an All-American. He's probably going to be a first-round pick in two years. He's a true freshman. Uh, Malachi starts. I don't know if you guys remember when we played Oregon. He's the one who did that kind of falling backwards pick at the beginning of the game. It's kind of his coming out party. He missed on a couple of balls in like man cover two, right? Where it's like he's over the top. They just throw a ball. He just misjudged it. LSU scores a touchdown. I don't think we're getting a lot of that with Chris Smith. You had mentioned him. He's fifth year senior, just got uh, nominated as an All-American, really good. But if Malachi starts, true freshman, do you try to pick on that a little bit as a safety? So I think that's where the weakness is, if you're asking me. Um, if the team can kind of throw it around a little bit like that, then, yeah, I do think that uh, that can definitely present some trouble for us. So Okay. Yeah, and we did see like at least J.J. McCarthy. He kind of like uh, – he had some big plays, you know, with Cornelius Johnson against Ohio State, which got them ahead of the game and, uh, you know, caused uh, Ohio State to play from behind. So uh, I guess – are they capable of that? Sure. Uh, will they do that against Georgia? I think that's the big question. Right. Uh, yeah. So, but no, that, that I think that makes sense. Yeah, I was thinking about that when you when you were talking about it earlier. I feel like for me, big plays count. You know, a two play drive counts as much as a ten play drive to grind it in. But I just feel like with big plays, you can only hit on so many of them to a certain degree. It felt like in that, at least from what I saw in the Ohio State game, it was like. To your point, Donovan Edwards, two long mm-hmm. runs in the end of the game. Long pass play, long pass play. I didn't see the rest of it, so maybe this is an, a little bit of an uninformed opinion. But to me, there's just a very big difference. It's almost the opposite of the way that Georgia plays. Like, I don't know how many plays over 40 yards we've had the whole year, but it's probably not that much. It's just these, like, stable, consistent drives. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, if you hit some of those, like, hey, I can sit here and say your offense looks better if you can produce consistent drives. But, like, three plays – that are big plays for touchdowns, that's 21 points. <laughs> that's a lot of points. You don't need to do that much outside of that to win a game. So, yeah, it's definitely scary when you got playmakers like that that you're going against. So, Yeah. Yeah, and, and for the record, I am going with Georgia on this. So, uh, But I just want to hear your take on that. No, so, you're yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'm going uh, – I, I think they'll I, – I think they'll contain them and uh, the, the Michigan's offense. So – um, you know, if Michigan advances, right. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to go like 40 to like 14. I, I, I think it'll be on the side of the block more so of, um, there, uh, is my prediction. I, I just don't think the Michigan offense has the talent grit grit. Yes. They have a, an offensive line, which should help neutralize it more, but even then, yeah, I, you know, secondary backers, I, I still think they have enough talent there to stop them. So, yeah. I'm kind of jo- I'm kind of joining Wayne here. I was thinking 42 <laughs> 20. And, and I, I'm sure Taylor's probably cringing right now because he doesn't want us to kind of overhype his team going into exactly. the, uh, this play. I'm my computer out the window <laughs> yeah. at the end of this. I'm superstitious. You know? Yeah. But it's like every in every facet of the game that we're, you know, comparing the two teams, it's like UGA seems to have, you know, the upper hand here. And it's like, you know, maybe what I said earlier doesn't ring true. I mean, <laughs> will a team be motivated to come out after winning a championship to win another? I mean, if we look at any of, you know, the major four sports and pros or even in college, I mean, if there's a place where dynasties are established, it's in college football. And it feels like, you know, Clemson had their run. Alabama had a run. It's like, who's not to say this is Georgia's time. This is Georgia's run. And uh, yeah, I just, I couldn't sit back and say, you know, Michigan who goes up against an Ohio state, maybe the university of Illinois, you know, squaring off against a team that's been battle tested. He's, you know, beat up on Tennessee's, played Alabama, LSU, even South Carolina on the road, took care of them. It's like, I mean, you guys just play in a different conference. It's a different league. It's a different standard. And, uh, you know, one stat that really stood out to me is uh, Georgia in the red zone is number one on offense and number one on defense when you get to the red zone. So it's like in the times that matter most when they're holding the ball, they're probably going to score. And when the other teams, you know, actually getting into their territory, you know, they're able to, you know, kind of hold down the fort. So it's like in that, uh, yeah, just Michigan <laughs> coming back and trying to be, uh, you know, Rudy in this matchup after getting trounced last year. I just, I just don't see it happening. Yeah. 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 The, the big plays, there we go. <laughs> the big play. You can't, you can't be in the reds. You know, you don't have to, yeah, I think that's Michigan's thing. Just get big plays and then don't even worry about the red zone stuff. So. Yeah. So the only other thing I'll say is if Jalen Carter was my guy, just to like for you to guys to pay attention to on defense, just from a pure like I like watching football, and this guy is just a physical specimen. 
I don't know how I, I know when we were at the game pad, I pointed him out multiple times, but uh Darnell Washington, Wayne, I don't know if you're familiar. He's he's listed at 6'7, 270. They say he's more in the 6'8, 280 range. I, I know I'd shown him to you, Pat, there. It's really impressive. Yeah. We, he'll line up sometimes next to Brock Bowers. Well, Brock Bowers is like, you know, he's 6'3, 6'4, 230, 240. It's not mm-hmm. a small human. Darnell Washington just like dwarfs him. And the way that Georgia uses them, where they'll, I mean, it's like having a left tackle who can pull and mm-hmm. just destroy cornerbacks and stuff. And, and I saw it last week against uh, LSU on our first drive. They got called for a chop block because the dude made a business decision. He's a corner, and you got this guy 100 pounds bigger than you running at you. Like, are you going to take him up top? Like, hell no. You try to cut him, right? Um, but, yeah, just anyway, I, 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 would, I would feel bad if I didn't say, like, just watch him because it's it's a unicorn, right? There's This guy's 6'8", 280. He's a tight end. Like, I don't know of anybody else, even in the NFL, mm-hmm. who's that big. That Have they that. had to – have they even unleashed him this year? Like, I don't even know. I mean, in the game we went to, I didn't even see many plays from him. But has he, like, had big games for Georgia this year? Is he just like – Yeah, I mean, he's really interesting. When I say he's a unicorn, like, I really do mean that because I mean, you could take him for a month and, like, just take him out to eat and he'd be a left tackle. He'd put on 20 pounds, you know, and he'd be really good. And I think that they got him as the third-rated tight end in the draft. I don't know who's second. That Michael Meyer guy out of Notre Dame is probably number one. But I think that that NFL teams are going to recognize his ability as a blocker. But to your point, as a casual fan, there's probably he probably hasn't had a game where he's had more than like five or six catches. But when he does, he's just so hard to bring down. But you know, it's always that thing where it's like, hey, I've got this really good, talented weapon on offense. It's like, well, who's not going to get the ball? Are you not going to give it to Brock Bowers? Are you not going to give it to – so I think they do a good job of, of utilizing him. But, yeah, I mean, you're going to see more of him, I feel like, blocking than catching the ball. I think he's only caught one or two touchdowns this year, which to me, when you get in the red zone, it's like just lob it up to him. You know, he's 6'8". So. Um, but, yeah, watching him in the, in the, in the run game, it, for me, just as a football fan, is like – it's so exciting, and also I just feel really bad for the players on the other team when he pulls around. It's like you're about to get wrecked. So, yeah. Wow. Anyway. I, I was gonna say I could imagine like maybe like a team like the Ravens or something like that utilizing him like along with like Mark Andrews, right? Something like that would be nuts. Then, right? That's, that's actually a good comp. I feel like Mark Andrews is he and Brock Bowers. They're similar in that way. Darnell Washington, he's just he's just different, man. He's big. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I don't want to talk about Mark Andrews. Uh he's just completely ruined my fantasy team this year. So <laughs> no, um, all kidding aside, um, you know, that's us looking at the CFP. Um, just wanted to ask you guys, are there any other bowl matchups that you're interested in watching? Uh, I think will be, you know, great games. And then were there any other players around? you know, these, uh, these upcoming bowls that you're interested in seeing a little bit more. Yeah, I can go first. I mean, uh, you know, kind of next up online, uh, Tennessee and Clemson in a way, you know, there's, <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of Tennessee players, I think that are, you know, I think are in the, uh, bears, uh, radar, uh, but you know, just NFL talent, a lot of, uh, you know, I got the wide receivers on Tennessee, um, you know, with Tillman and was it, uh, as a Halen or whatever, um, you know, a lot of, you know, good, good wide receivers. That I think have a lot of NFL prospects towards them. I think a lot of people are predicting them like second, third round, probably there. Um, they have some awesome tackles and, you know, defense as well. And yeah, they were, you know, uh, I think one of the top ranked teams in the country, like top three, right. For, for a while, uh, there, um, you know, defeated Alabama, uh, and yeah, it, I think that'll be an exciting game. Clemson too has, you know, a lot of NFL talent there as well. Um, so yeah, I think that's just one game. Obviously, you know, kind of picking up the next on the line there. But uh, yeah, I think you know, from a football fan perspective, you know, that's definitely something I've highlighted. Yeah, I was actually going to mention that one too. It'll be interesting. You know, Hendon Hooker, who would have definitely, I feel like, been in New York in the Heisman Trophy ceremony, and maybe that's even a little bit unfair to not put a guy in because he tore his ACL in the second last game of the year at the end of the game, but. Uh, yeah, I mean their offense was as explosive as or more explosive than than any offense in the country this year. Um, like you said, they were ranked number one when the first CFP rankings came out, and then played Georgia that same week. Um, but yeah, the Tennessee Clemson game uh, for me as a uh, just from being down here, I know Clemson's not in the SEC, 
but it's like a, a it's just a bunch of orange which is like the hated color for me down here between like auburn tennessee florida clemson's like way too much orange there's gonna be a lot of orange there and then um it's the orange bowl too oh but it also feels a little bit to me I'm, I'm very curious about that game because Tennessee's obviously on the upswing, right? This year, this year was a huge jump for them. Heupel's in his second year. They had missed on like a lot of coaches, right? After they thought they had their like savior in Lane Kiffin, and then they've gotten burned with Pruitt and uh, Dooley and all these other coaches, right? Who just weren't very good. And then Heupel comes in and didn't have a lot of like hype, for lack of a better word, behind him, but has done really well this year. It's like, can they reproduce that next year? Sounds like they're still going to have some receivers. I think Jalen Hyatt, the one you Jalen Hyatt, the one you had talked mm-hmm. about, is coming back next year. I'd heard, mm-hmm. uh, but I think Hooker's, you know, he's like one of those fifth or sixth year COVID type of guys. So I think he's out. So it's really interesting. I think you've got one program on the upswing. I'm very curious about Clemson. I think they've gotten by. I think that a lot of Davos is just my opinion. A lot of Davos' success was when they had two consecutive, like generational quarterbacks in Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. And now that those guys have left, and I do think their recruiting has been like leveled, the playing field's been leveled a bit, little bit with NIL. And they've got a bunch of really good defensive players that I think are carrying their team. So when Brian Brzee and Miles Murphy and uh, I'm drawing a blank on like their linebackers' names, when they start to leave, and they're all going to leave this year. I feel like this is Tennessee on the upswing and can they maintain it? And is this Clemson's like, are they on the, on the downfall right now? Um, I'm very curious to see what Clemson looks like in one, two, three years. So, um, yeah. so yeah, yeah, that would be one game, Pat, I don't want to steal your thunder because the other one is going to be our alma mater, but yeah. Well, I was going to, you know, talk about this game we're all talking about right now this is the Gamecock consolation bowl I mean these are the two teams you know that got their tails whipped by the Cox and I mean I remember I remember clearly the Cox you know just completely pounding hooker I mean that was uh you know just 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 nothing but uh jokes about Cox and about hooker but uh, in any case uh no absolutely be watching the Gator Bowl uh, going against, you know, Notre Dame, you know, I think just perennially like the most overrated team in college football. Um, I know we talked about the tight end Meyer, but, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing Spencer Rattler and his, uh, you know, his first season as a Gamecock on a high note. I mean, having those emotional victories against Tennessee Clemson, you know, just as a fan and, you know, I'm a pretty, you know, casual uh, semi-casual Gamecock fan. I mean, when we're good, I'll, I'll wear my shirt, you know, but uh, you know, we're not, you know, hide the banner back here. But uh, in any case, I think, uh, you know, I think they're clicking at the right time. Um, I feel like, you know, they're heading in the right direction with their program. I like uh, Shane Beamer, like what he's done, you know, overall. Um, I'm not really sure where they're at, you know, recruiting wise for next year. Um, But I do think, you know, with Spencer Rattler, you know, having a little bit of a a setback in Oklahoma and not really living up to the, you know, Heisman standards that I think a lot of people set for him, um, especially after watching QB one on Netflix, I, uh, just really enjoyed that series. I thought he was a complete prick, but I was like, you know what? I'm glad he's our prick now, and uh, you know, we can root for him a little bit more. But, uh, you know, his stats don't look all that great this year. I know he threw, like, a lot of picks to, you know, to his touchdowns. But, uh, you know, these last couple of games, I, I'm starting to see a lot more confidence. He's starting to roll. And, uh, you know, I'm behind him. I, I want him to have a great uh, bowl game here and kind of, you know, hopefully come back for his senior year and, uh, you know, just, just kind of – hopefully push us uh, further and further up the, uh, up the polls. And, you know, I don't know if we're going to be <laughs> gunning for any sort of CFB or any sort of uh, big bowl matches next, you know, next year, but I think it's in the realm of possibilities now. Yeah, not for sure. I can, I, I can talk a little bit about that one too, I guess. Uh, Go ahead. It's just an interesting <laughs> matchup, right? Between Notre, Notre Dame and South Carolina, right? I feel like Notre Dame came in with a lot of hype this year, South Carolina, you know, didn't, and then kind of fell off. It felt like, and then, you know, wins that beats two top 10 teams at the end of the year. So yeah, it's, it's just a very interesting matchup. Spencer Rattler's like an enigma for me. I feel like, like, I don't know, like clearly all the talent in the world, but that's obviously not just, you know, you need more than that to play the quarterback position. So it'll be interesting. I think they got rid of their, there was a lot of scrutiny around their offensive coordinator. And I think I'd seen they got rid of them or they're going to get rid of him this year. So it'll be interesting, like how much of that was Rattler versus maybe their offense and that sort of thing. And does he have a different um, season next year uh, for South Carolina? So 
He kind of he kind of reminds me of Jay Cutler in a way. Like he's a real uh, gunslinger. I think he's got the arm talent. I think he can you know make the big play. But in the same sense, I think he's a little erratic. And uh, against you guys, it was like that pocket was collapsing the entire time. I mean, didn't we watch like a few plays where he just like took ball under center, took one, two, three steps back, and was just on his back like immediately, yeah. or he was just like throwing it on his back foot like out of bounds and. Uh, Right. You know, eventually our friend left, uh, you know, around halftime or so. So, you know, I could tell the frustrations were boiling over for our squad. But, we witnessed uh, that one firsthand. There was a <laughs> towel thrown and an anger storming out of the out of the stadium. So, yeah. But in any case, I don't know, you know, what that team is like today. Like our tendency and Clemson just that much lesser than a Georgia where, you know, we looked pretty uh, pedestrian against you guys where I don't know, like, we, we went like toe to toe with both those teams. I thought, you know, both games were really close, but um, I'm just wondering like, what's the playing field like and you know, what were you up against that day? Yeah. I mean, like it's crazy. You know, I feel like people think this is just coach speak. Kirby smart will always say like, it's really hard to win on the road in the sec. It's like, Oh, you're just saying that to get your team up. But like Missouri to me was one of the biggest, like enigmas this whole year. I think they ended up six and six, and they that was just because they won their last game to become bowl eligible. But dude, Missouri gave us like I mean they should have beaten Georgia, and then they've gone gone into other games and just gotten like destroyed. But I can't remember who seems that they should have beaten. So I say that to say, and I'm giving Missouri as an example, but it's relevant to what we were talking about. Where like, like if you would have if we went to that Georgia South Carolina game, right? It'd be like South Carolina seems like a JV team playing a varsity team, right? There's like no way this could ever happen. But then they beat Tennessee, who was arguably the hottest team in the nation, and still knew what they were playing for. They were like, don't forget, they knew going into that game, all they had to do was beat South Carolina and beat Vanderbilt, and they were essentially going to be in the playoffs. Because they were mm-hmm. the five seed, and you knew that like likely somebody was going to lose. Like if they beat South Carolina, they would have been in the playoff. And so yeah, like they were, they even had something to play for, and you guys won. So I say all that to say, I think it's just harder to win on the road in the SEC than people think. And if you can't, you know, to what I was talking about earlier, the ability to get a team of eighteen to twenty-one, or I guess in Georgia's case, eighteen to twenty-one, and a twenty-five-year-old quarterback to like focus. And to take this game seriously, right, and to prepare the right way, it's not the easiest thing, you know. On a on a week to week basis, you come off a big win, and it's like, or you know, college football play, playoff rankings come out, and it's like we're number five. We know we're we're likely going to get in there, and then maybe you don't practice as hard. I heard Tennessee had some like internal kind of strife with their middle linebacker was out that game, and maybe there was some. I, don't know, I heard multiple rumors that maybe it was the some beef between him and their quarterback, and it could have been nil related. Anyway. It's irrelevant what the issue was. I think the point is just if you can't stay focused, you can't treat each week as its own individual week. You can't get your team like focused on that one game. Like anybody can beat you. I mean, even Vandy this year, right? Who's typically a doormat in the SEC, like they beat Florida. Um, so yeah, I think it can happen to anybody. To be honest, yeah. Like, what's your take on like this whole like should like S- the SEC basically just be the playoffs in a sense, like? It always feels like they're in a different planet than other, you know, like, yeah, sure. Maybe Clemson when they do have, you know, a generational quarterback here and there, right. but yeah. Like what's your take on this? Whole, like SEC just playing like a, like a, like a different league basically than the rest of the NCAA. Man, especially now too, with like Texas and Oklahoma are coming in 2023. Right. So then it's like, who are the other <laughs> you know, there's still, I'm not saying there's not other te- good teams out there, right? Like, I mean, the Colorado Buffaloes. I mean, <laughs> exactly. Beyond, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it does feel that way. And and I, I will say, I'm super biased in this, right? But since you asked the question, it's a little bit frustrating too if it's like when you get into bowl season, right? And then it's say Notre Dame, Dame beats South Carolina or something, right? Or whoever, you know, some other team outside of the SEC beats an SEC team, and it's like, oh, well, is the, is the SEC just overrated? It's like. It's different to go through the grind week in, week out, you know, um, of an SEC schedule. In my opinion, maybe I'm biased. I am biased. But uh, then just to go into a, a bowl game that, like, honestly, like, how many bowl games do teams, like, really care about at this point? You know, I feel like half of them, you know, players are opting out and things. Um, so, anyway, yeah, I just feel like it's different to run through the day-to-day grind of, of the SEC. And even sometimes when you go into playoffs or bowl games and and – 
you know, you're matched up with teams outside of SEC. SEC can lose, but it's like what would like what would Clemson be if they were going, you know, through the the gauntlet of the SEC? I just don't. I feel like they're a very average team, you know. So I mean, to that point, like it was one game, but I mean, South Carolina beat Clemson at home, and South Carolina is definitely a middle of the pack SEC team. Clemson's the ACC champion, you know. Like, yeah, and that Tennessee game didn't didn't South Carolina get out to a pretty sizable lead where I don't know what the final score was, but wasn't the final maybe a little closer than what the game actually you know looked like in real time? In the South Carolina Tennessee game, yeah, I was under the impression we were out to a a pretty big lead early on, or it was it looked like it was getting out of hand just from you know what South Carolina was doing um, in the past, and then I feel like toward the end maybe Tennessee closed the gap a little bit yeah they but, might have scored but it, it yeah. i don't think if you looked at the score it was like 60 was 63 to 30 something i think 38 i got gotcha. you 38 yeah 38 yeah that's what i thought it was yeah got it yeah. well yeah i mean i i think in any case uh you know that game's gonna be fun to watch as as well the others uh you know really glad you know we've had taylor here to kind of cover you know the gamut of college football and especially georgia just have his you know firsthand take from you know being a student a fan a player and now you know uh kind of a fan Again, um, you know, with that, uh, this will be the episode, but uh, we always like to end with a final thought. Uh, Wayne, do you have anything that comes to mind? I mean, the only thing I was just thinking this right now is like, I need to like either go to grad school or take a Coursera class and then like, you know, cheer on, like, you know, find like whatever uh, course to like, I don't know, pick Alabama or Georgia or whoever and just have a college football team to cheer for. Because yeah, DePaul doesn't have, a college football team. I think they had one like in the 1900s or something like that. They called them the Demons gotcha. or something like that. But yeah, I, I I feel like I need to uh, a team to just cheer for during the during the season. So um, that's that's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> do you do you have a favorite team, Wayne, in college football? I I my favorite team of like all time was like Vince Young uh, mm-hmm. and, and the Texas Longhorns when they beat uh, USC and Reggie Bush and Leonard and all that. So. Uh, so I have like I'll I'll keep an eye on the Texas Longhorns, but they just haven't been good, you know. From and I know they got like uh, what's his name? Like, Manning, right? They got Manning and everything like that. But then it's like even the way that they got Manning, it's like I don't know. Is he that good? Is I mean he's got the name Manning and all that, but yeah. I don't know. It's a, it's a lot up in the air there. So I don't see. Yeah, sure. Is it, is it, is he even better than Quinn Ewers? You know the the guy they got now. That guy's a yeah yeah no no it's it's like is this just all hype or is this like he, he's been like i don't know he's like on all the you know polls is like one of the top recruits and everything like that yeah you know? and, yeah he's number so, one on rivals yeah yeah i so mean at some like, point it's like yeah. i know there's bloodlines there but it's like <laughs> at some point it's got to fall off right you would think <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyway. it's just gonna be like manning after manning after manning right. generations or what yeah. so i don't know yeah <laughs> yeah but, uh, Taylor, yeah. do you have a uh, a final thought here? Man, just because you threw it at me at, right at the beginning of this, and I was like, a final thought? And you were like, it could be anything. <laughs> the only thing that I, I – my final thought is just going to be super random. I'm about to fly up to New York and uh, spend Christmas there. Um, <laughs> and I'm super excited. You probably know this, Pat. It probably sounds weird. I've started doing these, like, cold plunges. Like, I started following Wim Hof, and so I'll just, like, submerge myself in cold water. But my brother's got this – tub and it's very funny it's he's got a thermometer that's just like this like rubber duck at the top anyway and it just like basically freezes over and he started doing it too so i'm very excited to do some plunges um up there on a serious note they are really good for anxiety and depression and all that so uh yeah not that i'm like super anxious or depressed it's just good for mental clarity and circulation and yeah well, Good I job. am Taylor, and uh, you know I really appreciate you sending over the breathing exercises. I feel like I'm gonna take those on. I feel like uh, life adds a lot of uh, stresses, and schedules can get out of hand and stuff. So it's always good to kind of keep yourself in check and you know kind of get recentered in that sense. But um, I was gonna say my final thought. Taylor may have a an inkling of this, but in South Korea, um, this idea of a kind of a pop up stand for corn dogs is really taking off. Um, <laughs> I went to a place in DC. It's a like a boutique mall. All right. They've got some of the best restaurants from around DC kind of just all clustered into this food court. So it's like instead of seeing Sabaro, Subway, Flukies, all that other garbage, like they actually have some of the best restaurants in DC there. And uh, so, anyways, these corn dogs, they are hot dogs that can be, you know, just wrapped in regular batter. 
or you can get batter that has um, sweet potatoes in the batter. Um, you can also get mozzarella on a stick that's wrapped in batter, or you can do the sweet potato wrap or a potato wrap like in the batter. So it's kind of like they really like are get really funky with these batters and then like the inside contents and stuff. And then when you actually get your corn dog, um, they've got a row of like 10 different sauces and like six different seasonings. So I was just like, all right, so I got the most funky thing I could get. I got the, uh, I think I got the hot dog wrapped in the sweet potato batter or whatever. And I was just like, what do I do with this? Like, what should I put on this? I asked the person right. and stuff. So they're like, go with combination two. And I like looked over a combination two and it's like uh, cheese butter. Uh, it said sweet oil, hot oil, ketchup, and then do our snow seasoning. And uh, I think like salt and pepper or something. So I'm just like, dialing this thing up like it is looking like it's from the food channel and stuff and uh i took a picture of it my wife got just a regular corn dog with with ketchup and uh <laughs> i sent a picture over to taylor um uh, because taylor came out to uh virginia um i believe it was like a handful of months ago maybe it was like over april. the summer april Jeez, yeah. time flies um, it does, yeah but uh, we hit the we hit the streets pretty hard. Uh, you know, went out all night, kind of unconventionally, especially as a as a as a dad now. But uh, about three a.m. in the morning, we got the oven fired up, and uh, you know, I just hit him with a with a change up. I just had this you know big box of corn dogs in my uh, in my freezer, and uh, I think each of us had five or so. So it was yeah. like, you know, <laughs> he rolled out a plate of five each corn dog, which was like oh, so man. respectful. About it. It's safety the next day. He he turns on comedy there. We've got like two, <laughs> probably not what you would have seen from your your new father, your new husband, who's just <laughs> <laughs> two plates there. We're both passed out on the couch. There's five corn dog sticks in each one. There's comedy on. I wake up at like six a.m. and I like wander down to like the basement to like my bed and yeah, it was a great night. So when he sent me the corn dog picks, uh, it always just gets me. But yeah. Yeah, I mean it's kind of become the running gag, I would say. Um, but in yeah. any sense, I do I do appreciate a good corn dog. And I will say this place is called uh okay uh is it called okay dog? I think it's called okay dog, but check it out. It's a Korean fad now. It's it's happening all throughout uh Korea. I think it's becoming like this new idea of a new pop-up restaurant or you know, food court edition or whatever else. But uh give it a chance, give it a go, and uh you know, that's our, our, our breakfast portion of our, of our sports coverage. But um, I am, uh, you know, I've, I don't know if I told you this, Pat, I've been looking at franchises <laughs> during this uh, sabbatical period. So it might've just been destiny. I might have to look into this. Okay, dog. So yeah, give it, give it a look. And uh, I guess with that, uh, really glad to have Taylor um, on the show with us. Uh, hopefully we can bring him back for some more uh, sports coverage down the road, but uh, you know, with Wayne and Taylor, I'm Patrick signing off for the ball and breakfast podcast. Thank you.